Xbox On. Welcome to Xbox On, the podcast with one host about one console, the Xbox One. I am said host, Jesse DeRosa, and on today's episode, we'll be talking about the latest Xbox news for the week of May 14th, 2020, including Aaron Greenberg has responded to the negative feedback from fans over last week's Inside Xbox, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 are getting a remake, Assassin's Creed Valhalla is setting last generation performance standards for the Xbox Series X, and more. Welcome everyone to another week of Xbox On. As always, we will start off this week's show with our comments, shoutouts, questions, concerns, whatever, feedback from the audience. And hopefully we have some good stuff because of course last week, as as we all know, everyone was up in arms about how the Xbox totally sucks and, you know, they showed a bunch of trailers for brand new games that looked really awesome and therefore clearly the Xbox Series X is, is destined to fail and the world is on fire. But nonetheless, our first comment here is a rather long one. Normally, normally I try to pare down longer comments, but this is from Mr. Dead Captain James. I think he's, a, as our OG commenter, I think he deserves uh, a little bit of a, a platform to express himself this week. So we're going to go through with it. Uh, his comment reads, and this is skipping the first sentence, so consoles are just now catching up to where PCs are already at. People need to understand that Moore's law has slowed down a lot and that we are sitting at, uh, we are starting to hit a little bit of a ceiling in terms of graphics. The biggest improvements we are going to see next generation are frame rates, load times, lighting effects, and texture quality. For example, if you play the brand new Final Fantasy VII remake, you will notice that the game is beautiful in every area minus the textures. Some textures on objects and the world look like PS2 quality. 4K textures uh, eat up a ton of resources in terms of GPU horsepower. We will also see huge improvements in pop-in. Trees, grass, and textures will all render much faster and further than current-gen consoles. I'm not saying we aren't going to be blown away by next-gen games, because we will be. But what I'm saying is that it's not going to be as big a leap as 2D to 3D or standard definition to HD. However, the actual feel of playing next-gen games uh, is going to be much better than this gen. With 60 FPS, massive decreases in load times, and annoying corridors to hide loading screens. So... This is actually a really well put, made point. This is a, this is I, I couldn't have said it better myself. I think this is exactly what this upcoming generation is all about. And he kind of touches on all the points, uh, you know, pretty pretty eloquently and and, and succinctly. Um, yeah. So actually, so his point about at the beginning there about uh, Moore's law. If if you guys haven't. If, you, if you're not familiar with the YouTuber Austin Evans, I highly recommend you check him out. Normally, he's like a tech YouTuber. That's that's how I've known him as over the years. You know, he covers a lot of like, you know, phones and computers and that sort of thing. But he also does some gaming stuff. And especially lately, he's been doing uh, a lot of gaming stuff. Actually, in fact, if you're an Xbox fan, you probably definitely know who he is because Microsoft let him tear down uh, an Xbox Series X a few weeks ago around the time Digital Foundry did as well. So he's he's actually pretty well known in the Xbox uh, sphere as of late. Um, but yeah, he did a really good video shortly after that Inside Xbox happened last week, kind of explaining just what Dead Captain James is talking about here. And I highly recommend you check it out uh, if you have if you haven't seen it already. Um, but he basically I- explains exactly what this is. You know, when, you know, jumping from like the 8-bit to the 16-bit to the 32-bit to 64 and so on and so far, 
so on and so forth. You know, these 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 leaps in in power are just like exponentially more powerful than the previous, and that's because these these fields are so untapped. These these new technologies are so unexplored and untapped that every time you make an innovation, it's like a magnitude of like of greatness and, and more power is so much greater than that before. Whereas, you know, as you continue to really innovate in that space and really discover all there is, you start to get that diminishing returns where it's, we're not diminishing returns, but you start to get that, that slowdown of like, yeah, we are getting, you know, uh, an increase in power of an exponentially higher rate, but games already look and run and play so well that, you know, the difference in, you know, an Xbox Series X being X amount of times more powerful than an Xbox One doesn't result in, like, the visual comparison between, like, standard definition to HD or 16-bit to 3D, you know? It's just not the same jump. Although, if you're technically, if you're really talking about on a technical fidelity level, yeah, the the, the growth is exponential and it is massive, but your eyes aren't going to see, you know, the jump from, uh, te- like standard HD uh, textures to 4K textures and go, wow, I literally am just seeing the transformation of 8-bit Mario to like Super Mario Odyssey Mario. And I can't believe what a jump we're seeing. And so I think that's a really important thing to, to take into consideration. And, and to that point, you kind of have to hold Phil Spencer accountable, you know, while we're in this 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 mood as of late where we're holding Microsoft's feet to the fire about overhyping things. Phil Spencer was the one a few years ago, say a few years, a few weeks ago saying, you know, the the jump is going to be similar to that of 2D to 3D. He was hyping up this jump as something amazing. And and again, to his, you know, to his defense, yeah, technically on like a on, on a in, in a certain sense it is in the sense of like the amount of power we're jumping from to you know to get to the series x but in the sense of like what your eyes are seeing and deciphering on screen it's not going to blow you away like the jump from 2d to 3d and we'll get into that some more you know we've already seen a little bit of that with hellblade and and last week's inside xbox and then this week with a new story that happened we we've seen a taste of what next gen looks like and you know in my opinion these games look phenomenal i'm not you know i don't know what people i guess i don't know what people are expecting right because we talk about the Series X being the most powerful console ever made, but it's like, you got to keep in mind, it's like, look at the PC space. You know, if you want to know how good can a PC, uh, how good can a game look, you look at what the most powerful PC is putting out there. I I don't know, like, was anyone looking at the highest end PC and what games look like on that and, and saying to themselves, oh, well, the Series X is going to look demonstrably better than this because that's just not the case. So it just, I, I don't know. To me, it's like, it's hard for me to even really get into this conversation all that much because I don't know if you can pick up on this from how I've discussed, you know, topics of of power and graphical fidelity and console, you know, capabilities over over the 49 episodes the show's been around, but I kind of don't give a shit. Like to me with video games, I I appreciate a good-looking game and it's really nice when you're playing a game and and you think to yourself, "Wow, this might be one of the greatest-looking video games of all time." It's just so visually stunning. That's a great feeling. Don't get me wrong. Anyone can appreciate that. But for the most part, you know, I play a video game and as long as it's a goddamn good video game, I don't care how good it looks. And, you know, that you especially as myself for myself, you you got to be one of those people because I was a Nintendo Wii defender forever. You know, back in the uh the mid-aughts, <laughs> I was I was the guy, you know, 
junk jumping uh, or juggling between the 360 and the Wii trying to defend, you know, games like Red Steel 2 while everyone else was just fucking playing Uncharted 2 and in Gears 3 and all that crap. You know, I was the one over there just like, hey, guys, trust me, the Wii's really good. There's all these great games. You're not you're not giving the light of day because all you did was play Wii Sports and and Zelda Twilight Princess and then jump ship over to anything but Wii. And so. Like I, I understand like the fundamentals of like all that matters is the games are good to are fun to play. So when it comes to like next generation performance, I care less so about 4K textures and ray tracing and things like this because I know at the end of the day, you know, Halo Infinite isn't going to be better than Halo Three because Halo Infinite has ray tracing. Halo Infinite's going to be better than Halo Three if it is more engaging from a story perspective and it takes the formula of halo and spin turns it on its head and like pays homage to like the formula while also bringing it even further into the future and in and you know spit like extracting as much value out of that 10 seconds of fun gameplay loop that halo is famous for that's what's going to make halo infinite the best halo ever is by just pushing the envelope further in terms of gameplay and narrative and not textures and graphics and things like this so you know i mean i have every every reason to believe halo infinite's gonna be a beautiful game and i'm excited to see what the most beautiful halo game looks like but at the end of the day what's really gonna make that game pop for me is the gameplay and the story and that's just how i feel about games in general so i understand if a, if a new console's coming out you got to talk about the power it's a really important talking point you know you know to the mass market when you say hey we have a new generation of hardware coming out they say will justify to me why I need a brand new console and why the console I currently own isn't good enough. And you're not going to show that with, you know, oh man, I promise you this new Mario game is just as fun as the last Mario game. You're going to prove that with, look how visually different this looks. And and it's it's like a marketing thing. It's almost like we've all bought into it. It's, it's that, you know, the reason why you need the new Xbox isn't because the games are more fun to play than the old Xbox. It's because... Look how visually impressive the new games are. And it's because that's, you know, that we're all human. We're all, we have so many things competing for our attention. We're so surface level. It's that you're going to get your eyes, you, you know, something's going to catch your eyes because it's visually captivating. So if a console's all about high performance and power and graphics, then that's what's going to make you go stop and look at this new pretty thing. What's that all about? But at the end of the day, you know, the perf- I again, it's just to reiterate. I mostly care the the main reason why these these things are important is because I want to see how the extra power of the Series X is going to make games play better, not how it's going to make them look better. And while I understand, you know, visual you know, visual fidelity is important, it's not the end all be all. And in fact, it's actually pretty low ranking, at least on my list, as of uh, like reasons why games are good or why a good game is a good game, you know? So I don't know. I'm just, I'm really excited for the moment when the PlayStation five and the Xbox series X are out on the market. And we're not talking about which one's better, which one has better demos and gameplay and all that shit uh, from a perspective of like trailers and news and sound bites. I'm, I'm excited for the point where we're just playing these consoles and we're judging them by the games that play on them because that's all I really give a shit about. I just want to play Halo Infinite. I don't really give a shit too much, you know, how much better the Xbox series makes it look. You know, that's, that's an intriguing aspect, but it's not the end all be all. Anyway. Our next comment here comes from my brother who says the thing that 
I think what this is in regards to the Inside Xbox show last week. He says, I think what happened was Microsoft wasn't ready to show their first party titles uh, like development wise. The games aren't ready. But Phil Spencer sees that Sony's fumbling so hard right now that they want to do this in order to stay in the news while the PS5 is hiding under the bed. I kind of disagree with this. Um, I, I don't know. Maybe there's some truth to this because you would think like. Clear logic would tell you why why would Microsoft not want to show their first party games before the third party games? Why would they why would the May of event why would the May event not have been here's Halo Infinite and what the initiatives and what the initiatives up to and what all of our other studios are up to and then in July, oh here's the you know the icing on top, here's what all of our third party partners are working on that you'll get. You know, this is cause cause the reason you buy an Xbox is for Halo, it's for whatever the initiative's doing, it's for Forza, it's for Fable, it's for whatever. And then, you know, the Assassin's Creed Valhalla's and the Madden 2021's and all all that shit, that's the added cherry on top because the truth of the matter is you can get that on PC, you can get that on PlayStation, you don't buy Xbox because you can't play Assassin's Creed Valhalla anywhere else, you buy Xbox because you're a person of taste and you want to experience what's going to happen between Master Chief and Cortana. And then on top of that, you can play Assassin's Creed because you're a masochist and you like playing those games. So, so from that perspective, it's like, why the hell wouldn't they, why the hell wouldn't they do the first party games first? And so, yeah, I understand what you say. Maybe they're just not ready. I don't think that was the case. I think, I think Microsoft is trying to do this slow drum roll of a hype cycle to get to the point where like, all right, here's what the console looks like. Here's how powerful it is. It's so fucking powerful. Here's more information on the power. Here's some games playing on it, but these aren't even the greatest games yet. And then boom, it builds up to the end where they're like, boom, price tag, release date, best games possible because they want, they want July. They want this inside Xbox in July where you see halo and they talk about the release date and all that. They want that to be the one where your mind melts because you're just like, Oh my God, everything was already looking so good before this and they made it even better and so they're they're trying to save the big gun for last i get that but at the same time it's if if you really want to keep rolling with the punches you got to show people like the main attraction you got to show them like why do i need to own it's like okay i get it you know if i stay with xbox i get backwards compatibility you honor all the services i i subscribe to you honor all the games i've purchased you make everything really accessible for me forwards and backwards compatibility but why do i need an xbox over a playstation if i'm being stingy and those things at the end of the day aren't enough to sway me from team uncharted and and Last of Us, and God of War, and Spider-Man. And then you show them Halo, or you show them Fable, and they go, oh, that's why, because these games look amazing. And they didn't do that. And so it's easy to see, you know, but I, I think they thought this was, it was smarter to do the small drum up. I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, at this point, it's like, they're, the big things they need to show are what? Fable, Forza, and Halo? Because presumably you're getting a new Forza this year, like you always do. Um, and then Halo, we know, is coming later this year. And then you you got a big game like Fable or something, which has got to be coming, I assume, next year. But it's like at this point, the game's far enough in development that you can have a demo, you know, a trailer, a gameplay trailer to show of that. So I, I can't imagine the problem is they just weren't ready to go with a pre-made gameplay, you know, sizzle reel. But yeah, the, I, I mean, I, again, no one's going to deny this was a ball drop in terms of overhyping the amount of gameplay and everything like that. I still think the vast majority of the games they showed were great and that the public or the internet rather is vastly over, you know, overreacting about this whole show because, you know, the more, the more we get removed from this now that we're a week removed from it, the more I think, wow, 
they showed like 12 games and more than half of those 12 games look very interesting to me, which is rare. It's rare that I see like any E3 press conference and, and walk away wanting to play more than like four or five of those games. So the fact that they did a short, concise 27 minute video and showed 12 games and I walked away thinking like six of them were like six or seven of them were like really interesting games is actually pretty commendable because that's that's just unheard of, especially when you have to show a little bit of something for everyone you know you gotta show a variety of games that's why they have madden next to a horror game next to a shooter next to a twin sticks game next to a a walking simulator game because you got to have a little something for everyone so whatever i've already said my piece on that show from last week but whatever we'll get into it a little more in the news actually anyway and then our last comment here comes from lethal migraine who says that madden this is more of a correction than anything and i appreciate this correction because i totally missed this by the way he says madden is a smart delivery title but you have to buy the game by a certain date to get it so uh the other day i was saying that i i don't know if i On the last podcast, I mentioned that it was or wasn't smart delivery, but basically what happens is EA is being EA, um, and rather than doing smart delivery, um, for those of you who don't remember, is of course the program where you buy a game on the Xbox One, and you automatically get the Series X variant of the game, so if if I buy Halo Infinite on the Xbox One, and then next year I buy a Series X, I can download Halo Infinite on my Series X, I don't have to buy it again, and it will run and optimize and perform uh, to the specifications of the Series X. Uh, No additional cost or hassle needed. Madden, or EA rather, is of course doing a very EA thing and saying, no, money, 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 money. We can double dip all we want because that's how we've always done it. So they're saying if you buy Madden, the new Madden game when it comes out this August or July or whatever, you you can... um, you are then eligible to get a free copy of the Series X version of the game when it comes out later in the fall, when the console comes out, of course. Um, but it's only for people who buy the game between like launch day and like December something at the, the end of the year, basically. Um, so it's saying for that first wave of people who buy the game, that initial... I mean, and of course, to be fair, you know, Madden's a game where it sells 90, 90% of its copies, you know, in the first few months or whatever, and then as it gets closer to the next year, the next game, the next season, it drops off significantly. But still, it's one of those bullshit things where it's just like, they just want to double dip. They want to make the money. So they're not going to give you both versions. Uh, and this is the bigger story here is that this is just more indicative of a bigger problem, which is that smart delivery is a great option. It's a great feature. It's a great service um, that Microsoft is obviously going to stick to with all their games and that we're going to see a lot of third party developers stick to like we've seen CD Projekt Red uh, say that they're going to use it uh, with Cyberpunk 2077. And we see that a lot of people are on board with it as as noted from that inside Xbox from last week. But there are going to be those EAs of the world who just are not on board with this thing, meaning that it's always going to be one of those imperfect systems where not every game on Xbox is smart delivery, just the ones uh, from publishers and developers who support it. And so you're always going to have to be aware of that. These kinds of things can never work out perfectly. It's the same reason why, you know, to play EA games, you can never rely on Game Pass because you got to have EA access and uh, pay for that in order to enjoy a service full of just EA games. In in case you are in some weird niche where your favorite games to play are just EA games, you just like Battlefield, Madden, FIFA, Battlefront, and fucking uh, Unraveled. So that's going to do it for our comment shots, uh, replies, everything from this week. And as always, remember, don't be shy, reply. And of course, next we'll get into what I've been playing. But before we can talk about what I've been playing, I'll tell you what I've been eating. And this week, I made some homemade Rainforest Cafe. 
So, you know, Rainforest Cafe, uh, awesome restaurant, awesome themed restaurant, place where you can go and have, uh, you know, some some pasta in, in the middle of a rainforest while apes are banging on their chest and swinging from vines and, and all that shit. I, uh, I found a website that, that mimics some popular recipes from the restaurant. I made some Rasta pasta from my home, and I got to say, it turned out pretty okay. Not restaurant quality not that i was expecting that but it was uh it was more than edible i will say that aside from that i'm looking forward to uh looking forward to universal city walk reopening this weekend so i can maybe go down to the margaritaville and and uh go down to the margaritaville and, and resume my island lifestyle that i've grown so accustomed to hope hoping to get get out to a restaurant in the near future as you know florida starts saying fuck it we're opening back up we don't care who dies we're coming f- we're coming for your dollars, and uh, I'm, I'm gonna be right out there, probably. Like, uh, I know I'm a piece of shit, but I'm a I'm a slave to these theme parks and these themed environments, and I require my Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville food. So I'm whatever, but so that might be happening. But food, as always, we're all in lockdown. There's no fun food happening. We know that. Let me know what you've been eating in the comments below. I don't I don't really give a shit what you think about Xbox. I just want to hear what your diet consists of. And with that said, we will discuss what I've been playing this week, which I don't even understand what I've been playing this week. It's a very weird week for me. Uh, I didn't play games a lot the first half of the week, and then I started playing a lot of just unlike Jesse games. The only somewhat reasonable one is that I started playing Devil May Cry 5 this week. It's on Game Pass, of course. Um, But yeah, I've just been kind of on a high with Capcom ever since I played Resident Evil 3. Um, That developer just really pulled it together and kind of reinvented themselves in recent years, and I'm really proud of kind of their ability to go from really dropping the ball from the earlier half of the generation to kind of becoming one of the premier Japanese developers of, of the modern era. So uh, I decided to finally give Devil May Cry 5 a chance after being extremely interested in the game for so long. And yeah, it's pretty fucking badass. I'm only a couple hours in, but the story is ridiculous. The characters are ridiculous. The game looks great, plays great. It's super fun. It's super combat slashy, but not too button mashy. It's really stylistic that's i guess the game's main claim to fame anyone who's played a devil may cry game knows that it's very stylish combat and i like it a lot it's just a it's a lot of fun i'm uh i don't have too much to say about it since i'm only about three hours in but i do plan on kind of powering through that game over the next week and and seeing it through the end uh because i think i want to play control which is finally on sale so i might finally buy that and play that game uh all right. other than that i strangely have been in a little bit of like a cars mood and not my regular like pixar's lightning mcqueen cars i mean like cars like automobile automobiles but i don't mean like toyota camry honda accord cars i mean like i mean like hot wheels cars so i redownloaded Trackmania turbo i've been playing that a little bit that's a game pass game if you guys have never played Trackmania. Please do yourself a favor. That game is so cool. It's basically a Hot Wheels game, and it's just so cool. You just drive really fast. It's super arcadey. You can just hit refresh if you fuck up while you're racing. But you do these little micro racing challenges. You go fast. You do loops. You do crazy turns. Such a super awesome game. Crazy, easy gamer score. Super over-the-top aesthetics. It's just a really fun, arcadey, like, racing track challenge game. But i also been playing some Rocket League, which is absurdly weird because rocket league rocket league is one of those like minecraft fortnite games where it's like you know everyone knows about it every kid in the world plays it but i don't really play it i don't really talk about it but you know i I played rocket league back in the day when it was a newer game when it first started to blow up on playstation i played it for a little bit long before it was ever even on xbox or switch um but I, i decided to play a little bit this week and I never really gave Rocket League a fair shake. I'm not like it's not like my new jam. I'm not gonna be playing it all the time, but I'm kind of enjoying it a little bit here and there now. Um, 
and it's I'm actually better at it than I thought I would be. I usually just suck at all video games, especially when you go online and just I suck, I suck, I suck. Kids just wipe my face all over the fucking floor on video games. But Rocket League, turns out I'm actually pretty solid at Rocket League. I don't know if that's like an impressive thing to say or not. I don't know if Rocket League's like notoriously easy or if the player base just sucks. But um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of good at it, and I think it's kind of just really fun and, and novel. So I've been enjoying kind of giving that game a, a second fairer shake uh, than I did before all those years back, and I'm glad I did because it's um it's just a hell of a wacky game. It's fun to just enjoy the soundtrack and and just uh, shove boost uh, use your rocket engines to boost uh, balls into soccer goals. And then lastly, I've been playing Hot Wheels ID. This is actually not an Xbox game. It is a fucking cell phone app, which I, I almost never play games on my phone. But this is a crazy game that's kind of scratching that Toys to Life, uh, Skylanders, Disney Infinity itch for me that, you know, I get from time to time because I was a really big fan of that genre of game. And obviously it came and went real fast and and I miss it. I'm still not over it. So I've been playing Hot Wheels ID. It's kind of like a Toys to Life game, if you will. Um, you, you download like your iPad or your fucking Android phone or whatever. Yeah, it's like a little racing Hot Wheels game and you can buy these special Hot Wheels with RFID chips in them and then you can scan them into the game and like train them and race them and you can buy these different Hot Wheels tracks that have little RFID chips in and you can race them on that and do all these little mini games and it, it blends that like real world play with like collectibles with spending a lot of money um, and you know actual gameplay and it's uh it's it's fun i'm having fun with it i'm having fun being a, an embarrassing 25 year old child walking into target stores and buying hot wheels so i can play them on my phone and uh yeah it's been embarrassing but it's i'm having a good time with it so i don't really give a shit it's hopefully this doesn't become a big money sink for me because i really don't need another toys to life game to just uh collect a bunch of little fucking toys all around the place and then have the uh axe pulled on it and then i just have all this plastic laying around rest in peace disney infinity and now with that very 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 long intro we will jump into this week's news so the reason why I took my sweet ass time at the top of the show is just because this week we have a fair amount of news stories, but it's nothing like really substantial, it's just kind of some quicker ones. Obviously, it's a little bit of a lull when you have, you know, last week's Inside Xbox, the next week's bound to kind of be a, a bit of a quieter week. So that's more than okay with me and welcome change to have a little bit of a quieter news week. So we'll just jump into some more manageable stories. And speaking of last week's inside Xbox, our first story comes from IGN and it is that general manager of Xbox games marketing. Aaron Greenberg has addressed the response to May's inside Xbox 2020 stream, noting that the team quote set some wrong expectations about the presentation. Greenberg's response followed negative feedback from fans yesterday to about the other day's presentation, which promised quote next gen gameplay in the lead up to the show. In particular, Assassin's Creed Valhalla's showing failed to deliver what many have expected from a gameplay trailer. Instead of offering some scattered footage of Vikings raids and battles without a HUD in sight, he says, "Had we not said anything and just shown Maze inside Xbox show like we did last month, I suspect reactions might have been Greenberg tweeted." Clearly, we set some wrong expectations, and that's on us. We appreciate the feedback and can assure you that we will take it all in, take it all in, and learn as a team. End quote. In another tweet, Greenberg notes that the team, quote, expected fans to want more, and more is definitely uh, what we plan to give them. 
As you may have heard during uh, the stream the other day, Xbox Game Studios head Matt Booty uh, announced that we will be getting a closer look at the first-party titles coming to the Series X in July. Uh, Greenberg and Booty made an effort to point out that we'd hear from 343, who are hard at work, of course, on the already beloved, already Game of the Year uh, awarded Halo Infinite. That last part was improvised a little bit by myself, but it's probably definitely true. So yeah, first of all, you know, Xbox got a lot of shit because people were saying that they were deleting comments and dislikes on the YouTube videos for that presentation. I don't know if there's any truth to that because I'm not a loser that monitors YouTube videos looking to see if my comment got deleted or if or if dislikes got deleted because I literally have I'm a loser with no fucking life and even I have better things to do than monitor that kind of bullshit so I don't know if that was really happening but that was a huge accusation going around the other week and if that's true that's kind of shame on Microsoft you should just own your failure and let it sit there because that's how the internet works you can't erase anything you put up there Um, but prop you know props to greenberg for coming out and just basically being like hey there's no real hiding around this you guys are pissed uh we definitely set the hype expectation too high and we just gotta own our mistake and take ownership and just move on and and just be transparent about that and i think that's kind of what these tweets exactly convey um and rightfully so i think i think there is a little bit of a response um warranted on the xbox team's side you know in regards to everyone's uh, disappointment with the presentation you know that being said i i know i keep coming back to the whole the presentation was not bad people are overacting like little bitches like they always do namely on twitter and that is of no surprise at all that being said i i do think it's a totally valid complaint that microsoft said this event is going to be gameplay 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 focused and then we saw a lot of cutscenes in engine running shit and then the big one i think i think the one that really does justify the the initial you know disappointment is the fact that assassin's creed was by far the big tenant of the show they teased as such and everyone knew it was the big game that was going to be there and then they proceeded to not show that that was the biggest offender if you will it was the one that showed like absolutely zero gameplay it was the most disappointing of the uh, quote gameplay trailers Um, So I do understand that. I think that is a warranted complaint that especially in regards to the Assassin's Creed showing again, I just think most of the games did show gameplay and I don't think, I don't think the length of the stream was really a fair complaint either because, you know, Microsoft comes out and they say, we're going to have mini E3 style showings every fucking month from May until the console releases. I don't expect that to be an hour and a half press conference every month for six months. That's that's fucking stupid. So the fact that it is a 27-minute presentation to me sounds extremely fair. The fact that they're going to say, hey, we're not going to overload you with a billion games and bits of information. We're just going to give you a handful here, a handful there, and once you parse it out over six months, you will then look back on it and say, wow, that was a lot of fucking information spread over the course of half a year, which is exactly what they're doing. So I don't really understand that criticism that the showing was was underwhelming and short because I mean while I guess that's subjective it's also just like you you expect a fucking E3 quality show every month for from now until the console comes out well at that point I think you just need to have your priorities in check because that's that's extraordinarily unrealistic but yeah I mean I I will I will give people this the the setting the expectation about gameplay 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 uh, was absolutely mis- misleading, and they do have to own up to that. That being said, he owned up to it on Twitter, Greenberg did, and I think, 
You know, I, this is definitely something they're going to learn from. I like you got to be crazy to think that they're going to come out here in July and be like, all right, time to show all of our first party games. And they end up just all being, you know, <laughs> cinematic in-engine trailers. If that was already the case, you know, right now I can tell you this much. Xbox is scrambling to make sure whatever they've been working on for this uh, July showing ends up being more gameplay focused and less cinematic focused. So I I. I'm very, very confident that Microsoft, because they've shown time and time again that they are the kind of company that that's going to say, OK, we made a mistake here. Now we're going to listen, like take that feedback, feedback to heart and make the necessary adjustments. So, you know, like I will I'm willing to bet my life that <laughs> in July, when we see our next presentation of video games, that you will see a direct response to this, which is a heavier emphasis on gameplay and possibly even a Phil Spencer or an Aaron Greenberg on the stream saying, hey, we know we fucked up last time. We're sorry. We really hope to make it up to you because at the end of the day, we're all gamers just trying to play games and enjoy blah, 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 the thing we all love, whatever. We're going to get something like that. I promise you. Calm down. So good on Greenberg for owning up to it. To the rest of you, chill the fuck out. It's just a video game. And our next story here is a speaking of chilling. Uh, after much speculation and teasing, Activision have announced that Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 are getting the remake treatment in the form of a compilation. The project is being headed up by one of the old veterans of the Tony Hawk video game franchise, Vicarious Visions, who most recently worked on the Crash Bandicoot Insane trilogy. The game will come to Xbox One and PC on September 4th, 2020, and a demo featuring the iconic warehouse level will be available sooner to those that pre-order the game. The original Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was made by Neversoft, but Vicarious Visions handled some of the franchise's most iconic entries like the GBA and DS versions of the main entries. Maybe not iconic to most, but those ones were iconic to me because I actually played that shit. Important to note, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater was already re-released once before back in 2012 in the form of an HD re-release for the Xbox Live Arcade. The project was headed up by Robomoto, who went on to butcher the franchise with the Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 entry. Of course, that HD re-release wasn't much of a ground-up remake, although players did seem to like it well enough at the time. So this is a uh, initially this is one of this uh, this was one of those perfect examples of why I'm such a jaded hipster fuckboy because this is a cool announcement. I, I love these games. I grew up playing all these Tony Hawks. Actually, some of my earliest memories of 3D gaming are playing Tony Hawks Pro Skater One on the PlayStation One because I was fortunate. You know, despite my young age, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home where I had an older brother who got me into a lot of older kid things because he was just there's just a big enough age gap so i was four years old trying to figure out how to use a fucking playstation one uh playing tony hawks pro skater one and and those are some really fond gaming memories for me uh, in fact the tony hawk games just in general have a very special place in my heart particularly actually the thug games and american wasteland american wasteland i know not being a very popular one but i think that's probably my favorite uh aside from that this is this is a very cool announcement this is a very exciting bit of information i just got a little jaded because it was immediately one of those things where it's like all the uh all the fucking nintendo nostalgia driven quote-unquote gamer kids came out of the woodworks to talk about how they're all big 90s gamers that love tony hawk but if I if I try to just stop being a little fucking gatekeeping asswipe about 
about uh, video games for a minute and just appreciate the fact that a lot of people really like these games. This is really awesome for everyone involved. It's been a long time since we've had a good Tony Hawk game, let alone a good skateboarding game in general. I feel bad actually because just recently there is a new skating game coming out this summer on like all platforms. I totally forget the name of it, but it actually looks really promising and I do plan to play it. Um, I don't remember the name of it, otherwise I'd shout it out. But yeah, this no, th this compilation looks great. The trailer they showed is awesome. The most important thing, of course, being that they're keeping the original soundtrack and then I guess adding more because we all know this game was kind of uh, leaked months ago by that punk band that um, announced that they had music being put in a new Tony Hawk game. So we know that there's going to be new music. We know from the trailer that all the old shit is going to be in there, or at least most of it. Um, the game looks absolutely phenomenal. It looks like they nailed the physics and the gameplay, and then, of course, everything looks super modernized and up-to-date. I'm actually really excited for this, and it's an imminent release, September 4th, not too far away. So I, uh, this is one of those cool things we all get to be kind of collectively excited about. Um, this will be my my Animal Crossing since, you know, I let my hipster attitude about Animal Crossing prevent me from enjoying the new game that just came out. I will not let the same thing happen with this remake compilation. So, I don't know. Let me know if you're excited about this one. I'm definitely excited about this. Also, really promising to know Vicarious Visions is working on it, especially considering that Activision has kind of taken all the older studios that made all these awesome Tony Hawk and Spider-Man games and such, you know, Vicarious Visions and and and, and um and Neversoft and all them and kind of forced them in funneled them into being these like Call of Duty support studios. So, it's rare that we really get to see this kind of talent work on anything other than Call of Duty. Well, um, so that's, uh, that's awesome. Hopefully this game, they do it right. It is awesome. It feels right. It's cool. It sells well. And then it can lead to a proper Tony Hawk sequel, which we have so desperately needed for a very long time. Please, for the love of God, just make something in the vein of Tony Hawk's Underground or American Wasteland. It's all the people want. And by the people, of course, I mean me. Um, but yeah, definitely excited to check this one out. Just important to note also, this is the thing that makes all of this a little weird is that, you know, Tony Hawk, the person, and Activision, the publisher, kind of split ways after Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 5 came out a few years ago and bombed because it was really awful. Um, so this is weird to see them kind of, I, I don't know if this is a new contract or if this is kind of a one-off deal or if they're just testing the waters to see if they kind of want to get back in bed with one another and continue working together. Um, but this is weird because even though, of course, Activision is the publisher behind all the Tony Hawk games, um, they did kind of part ways back in 2018. So it's weird to see them working together again and it'll be interesting. It'll be curious to see, you know, where this goes from there. Although I assume it's entirely dependent on how this game sells and I assume it will sell pretty well. I don't, I don't have any, I don't have any hesitation that this game is going to sell like pretty damn well. If, if crash bandicoot can come out and get a fucking HD collection and sell like crack, then fucking Tony Hawk's pro skater, more than deserves to do the same. So uh, here's to that. Let's all be excited for once instead of me just being a grumpy asswipe and appreciate a cool thing that's coming back. Uh, our next here, our next one here is from um, 
IGN about about Epic Games and a little something they're working on called the Unreal Engine 5. So Epic Games revealed the first look at Unreal Engine 5, the next iteration of the massively popular game engine. The new engine is designed to scale to platforms as small and as common as smartphones, uh, as well up, all the way up to the latest and most powerful next-generation hardware like the Xbox Series X and PlayStation 5. To show off the power of the new engine, Epic released a real-time tech demo called Lumen in the Land of Nanite, which runs live on a PlayStation 5. Lumen in the Land of Nanite is a fully playable uh, title made up made up of Unreal Engine's five two uh, new tools, uh, Lumens, a, a dynamic global illumination tool, and Nanite, a virtualized geometry that lets artists uh, import film quality art and assets into Unreal Engine. The game looks like a stunning tribute to games like Tomb Raider and Uncharted, um, using the tomb-like setting, uh, Epic was able to show off their dynamic lighting effects that are affected by objects and perspectives, creating extremely realistic and dynamic-looking lights. Epic Games founder and CEO Tim Sweeney explained Unreal Engine 5 is meant to, quote, do things that are absolutely not possible today, end quote. This means offering new levels of photorealism and, and visuality, uh, but also offering new tools and in in ways to increase productivity and efficiency of game development. Uh, so he uh, continues with a quote that says, Lumen and Nanite are are not just an order of magnitude leaps of visual quality, but they're also greatly simplifying uh, technologies for the artists who could build them. And then the article continues with, the engine also features many other innovation, innova innovative tools to improve uh, object textures and making creating assets easier than ever before, while also looking better than ever before. Uh, when Fortnite comes to next generation hardware next year in 2021, it will be um, migrated over to Unreal Engine 5 to make the game look even better. Of course, it is important to note that Unreal Engine is wild, widely used by Microsoft Game Studios, and currently Ninja Theory is utilizing the new engine to develop Hellblade 2. So this was a big one this week. This is a this was kind of just a funny story in that you know Jeff Keighley, uh, the guy behind the Game Awards, and and IGN were kind of just like, hey, you guys ready for a big announcement today? They just kind of tease something, and then a little bit later, they're like, boom, here's here's something playing on PlayStation Five. So obviously, this wasn't a game, although I wouldn't be surprised if they take this and try to make a game out of it because it looks. I mean, a lot of people looked like they were interested in this as a game. It was a pretty cool tech demo, um, but. Mostly just shows off Unreal uh, Engine 5, and the engine looks incredible, and the PlayStation 5's gameplay looked incredible. Of course, you know, this is kind of a retread of last week. Uh, everything's compressed by YouTube. You know, you don't really get a sense for how good all this shit looks because you're not really playing a PS5. You're just watching a video of a game running on it on a shitty compressed YouTube file. Um, but yeah, the lighting stuff is easy to convey by watching this video and it is incredible. The game really does look stunning. Some of this shit um, is just easy to pick up on and say, hey, that's next gen. I, I mean, I thought we saw a little bit of that with games like um, Bright Memory Infinite uh, last week at the Inside Xbox event. But yeah, this is definitely... Uh, a step forward in terms of just games, visual fidelity. Um, but to me, you know, the, the biggest takeaway for me isn't how this makes games look better. It's how this makes games easier to develop. It makes, you know, bringing in higher textures and, and, and bigger assets just easier and more accessible, especially for smaller developers. I think that's a really key, important aspect of this um, because as we continue to just up the ante of like, you know, 4K textures and ray tracing, it's just like, 
how do we expect, you know, my brother was giving me shit earlier this week about like how you're always ripping on the indie games for being like eight bit games. But it's like, what do you expect a team of like one to 10 people to be able to make? Of course, they make little indie eight bit games because how the hell are they going to make a game like Uncharted, you know? And this in, of course, you know, there's a lot of truth to that, but mostly I'm just joking when I say those kinds of things, but he's right. And, and the nice thing about things like this is it makes, you know, maybe not for the indie studio of 10 people, but it makes it easier for those smaller studios to make a more visually compelling game and make a, a larger scale game and make a more modern and AAA looking and feeling game when we take, you know, the more mundane and uh, uh, tedious aspects of development and make them just easier and more accessible and more, you know, uh, main streamlined because there's a lot of, I mean, not that I know what it's like to make a video game, but I assume there's a lot of tedium and just like, holy shit, kind of asset building and placing in these games. Um, and the important thing to me in Unreal Engine 5 is that it seeks to find ways to minimize that tedium and make it easier uh, than ever before, um, while also making everything just look better than ever before. So that's really exciting to me. Um, a lot of people were using this as an excuse. This is like an, a good analog for this would be that coronavirus. Coronavirus is a really unfortunate pandemic that's taking place in the world. And a lot of little cuckolds on the internet are using this as an excuse to politicize things and make it about Democrats versus Republicans when really it's just a matter of humanity and people getting sick and being hurt. This, this story had a similar thing where it's like, Hey, this is uh, really a story about a new engine, and I understand they're they're showing on PlayStation Five, and it's a good marketing ploy for PlayStation. But keep in mind, most of Microsoft's own studios that make Xbox games work in Unreal, and most developers, just period, that make 3D games work in Unreal. So this is very much a representation of shit we're going to be seeing on Xbox Series X as it is PlayStation Five. But of course, you know, console war fuckboys had to use this as a opportunity to make this about PS5 versus Xbox Series X when really it was about just awesome tech being used um, in future games. So, I mean, of course, you know, no no disrespect to the PS5. It looked fantastic running on PS5. And so the good takeaway from that is since Unreal, <laughs> Unreal Engine 5 will be a, an engine used to make a lot of Series X games, this will also look phenomenal on the Series X. So a, a great win for everyone because it means games are going to be easier for developers to create and prettier for everyone to admire. So win all around definitely check out that gameplay uh demo if you haven't though the lighting is kind of like fuck you impressive it's just really really cool and then there's a lot of technical talk about polygons and triangles that everyone in the comment section then riffs on but i don't really understand it my tiny brain can't really comprehend what all they're saying but it is it's that kind of like intellectual talk that's like you know you're not going to understand it, but you still are vastly interested in it and you like to listen anyway, as if maybe you'll pick up on one or two things and, and learn something. Um, but yeah, it's definitely a very interesting watch and a really exciting uh, look into the future of gaming. So good for good for PlayStation that we have a little bit more of a concept of what the PS5 is going to be like, even though we still don't know what the box looks like and we still haven't actually seen a PS5 game. Um, but also just props to everyone because... Games are cool and games are fun, and this looks pretty and fun. Uh, our next story here is from IGN. It is a quick one: it is that Ubisoft has revealed that Assassin's Creed Valhalla will run at a run at a minimum of 30 FPS when it launches on the Xbox Series X. Ubisoft issued a statement to IGN revealing that the forthcoming release will target 30 frames per second as a minimum fr as a minimum frame rate. 
The quote to IGN read, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla will run at a minimum 30 FPS. On Assassin's Creed Valhalla, we are committed to offering the best experience to our players by immersing them in the most beautiful worlds and environments that we could create. In leveraging not only the graphics enhanced uh, offered by the next generation consoles, but also the faster load times and the new architectures. I should I should also say some people use this as an opportunity to riff on Microsoft because they were doing a lot of Series X advertisement where they were saying 60 FPS gaming locked at or 4K gaming locked at 60 FPS. But of course, you know, Phil Spencer then came out after all this to clarify like, hey, developers have the ability to utilize the power of the Series X to make whatever they want to make. If they want to prioritize, you know, massive worlds and and higher resolutions and all these things at, at the sake of FPS, then it's okay, you know, to make a 30 FPS game. It doesn't mean, you know, it has to be 60 FPS minimum, but our goal or our target is for games to be 60 FPS and some can even lock, like clock up to like 120. So to clarify, it's okay if a Series X game run is locked at 30 FPS. I agree it is slightly disappointing because you would assume based on the power and the specs of the Series X that everything would just be minimum of 60 FPS going forward. But again, I'm not a game developer. I don't know how easy or hard it is to make things run like this. I think the more important thing to keep in mind is that Assassin's Creed Valhalla is one of those intermediate or it's one of those like in between games where it's obviously being developed for the PS4, the Xbox uh, One, the Xbox One X, the PS4 Pro, the PS5, the Xbox Series X and PC. It's one of those games where they're trying to optimize it for a slew of products. So maybe for this one, they're trying to focus on, you know, making it making the next gen version take advantage of ray tracing and super high quality 4k textures and things like that but they don't you know they're not figuring out a way to get it all just so for every version of the game and then next year or the next assassin's creed game we see will focus more on kind of that that 60 fps or higher for next gen and pc only as you know it, after one or two more assassin's creed games we're probably not going to see them on ps4 and xbox one so it's just it's just one of those things it's not a big deal although i i, I also do agree it's like slightly disappointing it's like what one of the first massive xbox series x games is going to be 30 fps what the hell but also it's like this is one of those things we have to see play out play out because if you'll remember you know at the beginning of the xbox one generation there was that whole controversy about how all PS4 games were like running at 1080p, uh, but a lot of a lot of Xbox One games were running at like 920p. You know, not quite 1080. Some were at 1080, some were at 720. Most were at like the 920ish area. So this could be another one of those things where it's like early in the generation. They're kind of figuring out their footing. Some developers are not really taking full advantage of the architecture. Some are just kind of figuring out really how to optimize their games to this new architecture as they get familiar with it. Um, but I think a, a huge part of this story is that they're also making a preview. This is, this is an Assassin's Creed game that is made for current generation hardware and also getting a next generation version rather than a next generation game that's getting a previous generation version. So it is important to keep that in mind. You know, if if in one or two Assassin's Creed games from now, we're still seeing 30 FPS, then you can bitch. But I think this is one of those like hold your horses moments. It's like, c come on, guys. So remember, you know, Halo 5 made a huge stink about 60 FPS or the variable FPS to try to get it to run in 60 FPS, you know, to get the game to run like that. So 
you can assume that this won't be the case for everything. We can assume that Halo Infinite is going to be a 60 FPS game or higher. I assume 60. Um, but I, I assume for most games we'll see at least 60. So let this be the exception at the rule and let, uh, let you know, let's wait until we see more to really make that final call. Um, but yeah, I, I understand the initial disappointment. Um, but also you're choosing to play Assassin's Creed. So that's, that's your own problem. And then as we get towards the end of the news, we've got from windows central that gravity well is a completely new team founded by a handful of ex respawn entertainment developers, including former executive producer, drew McCoy and John sharing respawn. Of course, the team behind apex legends and Titanfall, uh, it looks like they have a, some guys have left the studio and spun off into a new studio. Um, their announcement in regards to the formation of gravity well was that quote we are starting a new studio because of how we want to make games we want to make we we want time to iterate on everything and great ideas and feedback uh, from the whole team we're building the studio to last for decades and that doesn't need to and that doesn't need to happen without putting the team first and that doesn't happen without putting the team first mccoy explained we take team health as an absolute top priority and this is this means anti-crunch this means good compensation this means everyone at gravity well uh, has creative freedom because when someone else makes all the decisions work isn't fun and the end product isn't as good uh sharing explained that we're going to build a team of 80 to 85 people at peak and that once the team size crosses 100 people everything changes gravity well is setting up for remote work given the ongoing pandemic and is now taking job applications they're also setting out to build games exclusively for next gen hardware and pcs seeing as the team is just now forming we probably won't hear much from these guys for a couple of years this screams to me that you know shit at respawn entertainment has changed remember a couple of years ago ea bought respawn and you know they now own the titanfall guys so what this screams to me is that you know Respawn used to be a great place to work. We still have a lot of respect for that studio. Uh, EA bought us and made us really f- double down and focus hard on Star Wars and Apex Legends because Apex Legends ended up making a lot of money and because Star Wars is a thing they have rights to that they want all their studios to take advantage of. And we want more creative freedom. We want to take our times, make the games we want to make and not be beholden to what the execs are saying. And, you know, obviously... Respawn's grown quite a bit since the Titanfall one days. They're probably working in like three teams now, I think. They're also forming a new team within Respawn. Um, so this isn't surprising to me that something like this ha- happened. I don't think this is a whole like knock on them. And then, of course, they mentioned the obligatory, you know, hot button topic of anti-crunch, blah, blah, blah. So this is cool. I'm excited to see what these guys come up with. Hopefully this is some good talent from Respawn that's going to make something in the vein of Titanfall or at least a great FPS game because as much as I still love Respawn to this day, it is severely disappointing that those guys made some excellent Titanfall games and now they're just kind of stuck on Star Wars and, and Apex Legends. You know, I like Apex Legends and I like Jedi Fallen Order. I just, uh, I miss Titanfall and I would love to see more of that. And hopefully these guys are here to be able to make, you know, riskier, more, more, um, unique games like Titanfall and have the ability to just kind of explore that space more. It's, it's always such a tricky thing. Cause you think about like the history of it, it's like respawn. It was formed by a bunch of X infinity ward guys, you know, infinity ward made call of duty. And then they worked with Activision forever up through Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And then there's all that crazy lawsuit stuff that happened with Activision. And then, you know, Vince Ampella and Zach, I forgot the other guy's last name, Zach something. Um, but they left the studio 
and they went to form Respawn, and they were like, oh, Activision's the worst, everything got too big, they just focused on Call of Duty, Call of Duty, Call of Duty, they just forced us to become something we weren't, and all this other shit, and they started Respawn, and then they were an independent team, and they made Titanfall, and they got EA to be the publisher, but they weren't owned by EA, and... And uh, it was just a really awesome game. And it was really cool to see those guys kind of have the creative freedom to make whatever the fuck they wanted. And Titanfall was such a great game. And Titanfall 2 was such a great game. But then you could see, like, EA scooped them up. And the next thing they do is Apex Legends, which is like, oh, let's see if we can get in on the uh, on the uh, Battle Royale thing, too. And Apex Legends does well. The studio grows and grows and grows and blows up. And they start doubling down on this one game as a service rather than, like, sequels to games like Titanfall 3. You know, Titanfall 3 suddenly gets put on ice, um, basically indefinitely canceled. Uh, <laughs> and then we get Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order, which is clearly EA saying, hey, we have the Star Wars uh, IP, although as we know, the story is, you know, the guys that respawn wanted to work on star Wars. So it wasn't so much a force thing, but it, it, it's, it's clear that if you look at like the, the, the incubation period of what respawn was, it was a lot of like, like, let's go do our own thing and make our own game and be our own team. And now it's kind of turned, it's kind of come full circle and gone back to what, what Infinity Ward was before these guys left Infinity Ward to start Respawn, which is now we're owned by one of the biggest publishers in the games sphere, and they're kind of telling us what to do, and we're kind of stuck on these specific projects because they make a lot of money. And so it makes sense that this studio formed. It's, it doesn't seem like this is a fuck you Vince Zampello thing or a fuck you EA thing. It looks like it's a Respawn ended up becoming what it originally formed as to get away from and now we're getting away from respawn to kind of start again they're kind of doing their own respawn entertainment now so that's that's how i'm reading all of this um but it will be exciting to see what these guys come up with uh respawn and infinity ward are extremely talented studios that make extremely great games even to this day and i'm really excited to see if this is just another great studio that makes more great shooter games as a result of this split so Congrats to those guys on the formation of their new studio. And then our next story here is that back during uh, Microsoft's E3 2017 press conference, a Battle Royale game by the name of Darwin Project was announced, but unfortunately the game never really took off and went into early access as it went into early access and beyond. Developer Scavenger Studio has made the tough decision this week to begin shutting down the project, with plans for the game to go offline completely by the end of the year. The quote says, We've been quiet for a while now, and we apologize. We would like to update you on Darwin Project. It's with a heavy heart that we've decided to stop developing new features for the game. April's update was our last one for the foreseeable future. Five years ago, we started Darwin Project, our first project. It was a very bold and ambitious one, so to say the least, and we have been fortunate enough to have worked on it for so long with the support of our partners and our community. Over the past, we've seen the decrease in player base, and we've been working hard to find solutions. From a new platform development to bring new content, spectator interactions, extensions, and continuous optim optimizations. We have assessed all the potential solutions and scenarios, but unfortunately, Darwin Project is unable to sustain itself, thus forcing us to come to this difficult decision. We will... We are still very proud to see what we've started and scribble on a piece of paper become a fully realized, released game, uh, which has reached millions of players. We will keep Darwin Project servers up at least through the end of the year, and you will be able to play the game. Uh, we truly are deeply appreciative of everything the community has put into the Darwin Project. We received tons of passionate ideas and suggestions to improve the game. It shows how incredibly supportive you've been throughout the journey, and we cannot thank you enough for your love, support, and over the over these past years. So, yeah, that's all there is to it. It's just a really unfortunate situation. It's just a, 
I'll be honest, you know, the second this game was announced, it was one of those games I looked at and said, well, this is lame. I don't give a shit about this. You know, that being said, I feel for any developer <laughs> that struggles that, you know, puts all this money and time and heart into making something and then it doesn't pan out. In the games industry, it's one of those industries where it's really easy to focus on what does stick. Um, you know, it's not like it's not like music or YouTube where it's just like you just see, you know, or even like movies or any of that where there's just such a focus on or there's just such a obvious like second story on all these things that don't pan out on these things that fail um, with games. It seems like it's such a weird different story because in the gaming industry, it's like there are two types of games. There's games that we hear about that come out are well received and sell a lot. And then there's games that come out are poorly received and sell a lot. Or at least in the modern era, that's what it seems like because the coverage is so in, – in a world where there are so many games coming out all the time, the coverage is so focused and fixated on you know the hit games, the most popular things. And so that's what we hear about, you know, but it's rare that we see a project – you know, a game like Darwin Project or like, um, or like Gearbox's game um, Battleborn where it's like, wow, this is like a whole big AAA thing that people put a bunch of money into and then it just died, you know, because it just – this is a competitive market, especially the Battle Royale thing. There's only so many people out there. There's only so much of a player base, and there's just so much competition for players' time that it, you know someone's got to fall out of this. You know, someone's got to someone's got to have the weaker pro- product, and someone's got to be the one to uh, not take off. You know, the way that Fortnite does or Apex Legends does. And unfortunately, in this case, it was the Darwin Project. So, just thoughts to all those at Scavenger Studio who are now having to kind of phase out this passion project that they've been working on for so long, but hopefully they will all rebound and find new work and uh, maybe even be able to survive as a studio and make a, a new game that hopefully will be much better, uh, much more well-received and, and played than this game was. Uh, so just kind of wanted to throw that out there as a, it sucks, you know, a lot of, a lot of games out there that just kind of go unnoticed and don't, don't get their fair shake or, you know, maybe they're not good games, but it's just sad to see, all that hard work go to waste or for people to kind of lose out like that. Uh, our penultimate story here is that uh, Japan's, this is a really quick one. We won't even get into this. Japan's popular video game trade show, the Tokyo game show has indeed been canceled due to COVID-19. The event was supposed to run from September 24th through 27th, but will now be replaced with an online event. So I don't even, you know, every week we got to go over all the events that get canceled due to COVID. What do you want to say about this Tokyo game show? It's like a E3 type game show. It's a massive event that happens for a lot of Japanese uh, studios. Uh, lots of big news always comes out of this one, but again, it's, it's no surprise. Obviously they can't congregate uh, all those many, many people in one space to talk about video games. Uh, and so we will get an online alternative, which I'm sure we will hear about soon enough in the near future. And then our last story here is a wrap-up. It is um, from, from from Mr. 2K, 2K the publisher. They've announced that a Mafia trilogy uh, is in the works via a new teaser trailer that suggests a return to the beloved series. The teaser for Mafia trilogy offers a brief uh, tease of dialogue focused on, a, on, on the clear-running theme of the franchise, which is, of course, 
family. No, this is not a Fast and Furious movie or game. This is a, a Mafia game. 2K hasn't offered much detail about the Mafia trilogy beyond a teaser, uh, which includes both the logos for Publisher 2K and Hangar 13, Hangar 13 being the studio that previously developed Mafia 3. There will be a proper announcement on May 19th, so expect more information soon. This is an interesting one because Mafia 1 kind of didn't do that well. Mafia 3, the most recent one in the series, kind of flopped despite having a pretty cool premise it just actually it kind of sold respect respectably but it had a lot of performance issues and didn't get that much attention it just it just did well enough i guess um but this uh mafia 2 is kind of one of those like cult hits it's one of those games from like the early 360 game days that just everyone remembers fondly it's uh kind of one of those gta alternatives uh for many people but it's really cool to see that it's getting a trilogy just because it gives a lot of people the opportunity to maybe play the entries in the series that aren't as well remembered as like as the second the sequel is. So hopefully that'll be a good way for these other games to get a second life and, and maybe have that kind of uh, performance tweak and everything they need to make them a little more palatable and playable. And then, of course, my speculation anytime we see a remake trilogy or something like this is it is a testing ground to see if the market is hungry for a new entry in the franchise. So maybe this means a new Mafia game. I wouldn't expect the Mafia 4. I'd expect them to go the route of like Mafia colon title of the game. But yeah, that'd be cool to see Mafia make a return and in this world where like your options for GTA like games are basically just GTA five, because according to the MPD charts, it's all anyone buys because there aren't any mafia games or sleeping dog games for people to buy. They just keep rebuying GTA five because as, as we'll see in the May MPD numbers, it's probably just the best selling game was GTA five. I'm going to guess it right now. Minecraft NBA, two K GTA five animal crossing. Something like that. All right, but that's going to do it for all of our news this week. we got some little wrap-up tidbit stories, you know. We've got just a sentence long. Here's a couple of them we'll just shit out. Um, Ubisoft has announced that their E3 replacement event will take place on July 12th. It is a digital event, of course, that will show never-before-seen games and a closer look at Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Our next one here is that the official Star Wars YouTube channel has revealed that LEGO Star Wars The Skywalker Saga will be released on Xbox One and PC on October 20th. Our next one here is that the Coalition has confirmed that Anthony Carmine, Benjamin Carmine, and Gary Carmine are all being added as playable characters to the gear to Gears Award to Gears 5 via player versus player modes, with plans for player versus everyone modes coming later uh, in the year or at a later date. Um, and then our penultimate one here is or and then next we got that Double Fine founder Tim Schafer has confirmed with IGN's Ryan McCaffrey this week that a remaster of Grim Fandango, Full Throttle, and Day of the Tentacle will be making their way over to Xbox at some point in the near future. This makes perfect sense, of course, as uh, Double Fine is now a Xbox-owned studio, so it's, it'd be good to have their old games on the Xbox platform. And then last here we got 343 Industries has partnered with esports organization Face It to launch the Halo Master Chief Collection Pro Series, a new online tournament series that will run from May 23rd to July 18th. Registration for those who want to, who think they're gamer enough is now open, and so you can go ahead and sign up for that if you're interested. And speaking of Halo, of course, you know, Halo 2 Anniversary was released this week on PC, so you can now go ahead and play that via the Master Chief Collection on PC. That is going to do it for all of our news this week. We will wrap up with the new game releases, of which there are only nine. You know, people slow down a little bit. Only nine game releases this week, and we will just run through them at lightning speed, guys. Um, we're not going to dwell on all the shitty 8-bit games. We're going to ha give equal respect to all these games. So our first game is called Hunt Down. It is a shooter game where 
it actually shows a guy with a gun shooting. It kind of looks like a Contra game. This is a deceptive picture, however, because you do not play as the shooting man in this game. You actually play as the dog that is one floor above him running towards the helicopter. So this is one of those like like shooty, like Contra type games. But instead of playing as a guy with a gun, you play as a dog. How the dog attacks all these enemies and helicopters and vehicles, I have no fucking clue. But it is up to you to figure out in this uh, in this classic retro-style game that is Xbox One X Enhanced. Next, we got Deep Rock Glacier, or Deep Rock Galactic 1.0. I would hold off on playing this game till the 2.0 version, because the 1.0 version is probably going to run like shit. No one ever enjoys a 1.0 build of anything, so it's probably a really bad name for your game. But nonetheless, this is a game where you play as blocky Lego-like figures in a Journey to the Savage Planet and or No Man's Sky-like world, and it is Xbox Play Anywhere and 1X Enhanced. Our next game is called Island Saver Dinosaur Island. This game is from Playmobil. It is very fantastic. It is a very nice Duplo game. You get to play as a dinosaur. You get to shoot it with a gun, but the gun does not shoot bullets. It's mostly just radar and I think possibly marshmallows. This is a, probably a good game for me to play because it kind of looks like a platformer, but it kind of looks like a game for children, and it kind of looks like a game no one else is going to play because it's probably not very good, which means I'm probably going to play it and then try to be a hipster about it. The next game here is called Potata Fairy Flower. This is like this is like if you had a 2D game, but instead of saying, oh man, I'm going to do 8-bit like everyone else, you say, hey, I'm going to do Flash like everyone else. So that's Xbox One X Enhanced. And then you got Super Mega Baseball 3, which is stupid because baseball got canceled, so you might as well just cancel the game as well. And then you got Thy Sword, which is like a 4-bit dungeon crawler game, and I want to be fair, I don't want to keep harping on all the retro style games because I'm not I'm not like that. I, I think all games are created equal, so this game is very cool. You can play as a ninja in a dungeon. There are gems to collect. There are enemies to defeat. You probably get to explore. It's probably very challenging. If you don't want to play a stupid game like Cyberpunk 2077 or or any new dumb game like that, you could probably just play Thy Sword, which is a very respectable uh, 4-bit game. Next, we got Ion Fury, which is Xbox One X Enhanced and definitely worth the enhancement. This game is a game where you have a crossbow, but rather than shooting the demons, you uh, you shoot these mylar balloons in the sky. So I guess you are searching around for like kids' birthday parties and things like that, situations where people celebrate with balloon-type type devices and you are ruining days by shooting those devices with a crossbow and the crossbow has some red electrical shield so that's pretty cool emma lost in memories is our final game just kidding not our final game because our final game is tactical cool champs which is a game where you are shrunken down to the size of a bug similar to obsidian's new game grounded but rather than exploring and crafting and, and enjoying this backyard environment as an ant-sized creature you just take cover and twin stick shoot the hell out of God knows what. It looks like these enemies are literally a fire ant and then an old farmer who's graying. I don't know why the fuck you've been shrunken down to the size of a toy and you're going to kill an elderly person, but that's in very poor taste considering the plight of old elderly people in today's world. Uh, I will not go into any further detail on that, but that is apparently a new game you can play. Our games with gold is a reminder there. You got V Rally 4 for the rest of the month. You got Warhammer 40K Inquisitor Martyr, which is available starting on May 16th through uh, June 15th. 
And then you got Sensible World of Soccer, which is only available until the 15th. So hurry up on that if you haven't got it. And then in just a few days on the 16th through the rest of the month, you'll be able to download Overlord 2, that old 360 classic that's now backwards compatible. That is going to do it for our news this week. I appreciate you all for hanging in there. I know I had some really uh, some really like senior citizen moments. I didn't expect to go over this long, but I guess I got passionate in the beginning of the show talking about absolutely nothing. And uh, as always, guys, I would like it if you followed me. If you want to see some really funny Instagram stories, you can follow me on Instagram at I think it's Jesse underscore DeRosa. Don't don't hold me to it. I don't know. I believe that's my name. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'll give you a little tip. The reason why I never actually give you my Twitter handle is because I post very sensitive material on my Twitter. Um, so like, if you want to know like the release date of the Xbox series X, if you want to know, uh, like how many toes Phil Spencer has things of that nature, that's the kind of shit I'm sharing on my Twitter account. And that's why I'm not giving you my Twitter every week on the shows, because that's very sensitive information that I don't think is deserved of the public. So that's why I tweeted out into oblivion without actually sharing my handle with you because I don't want other people to find out about that information. But if you are smart enough to crack the immaculate code I've prepared, the the disguise that is my Twitter handle, you're more than welcome to follow me on such a platform. Uh, but I will refuse to give it to you continuously. But please do follow me on Instagram. I posted a nice story um, about some Hot Wheels I bought this week. Uh, but that's going to pretty much do it. And uh, Eric's going to play us out with a repeat of another song I played of his before, because even though he says that there's new songs on the way, I don't have those new songs. So Eric, I'm, I'm holding your feet to the fire and to all of you, we will see you next week for some more Xbox on suck it. PlayStation. Of joy.